Welcome to the Move With Love podcast. I'm your host, Bree Johnson of Heart and Bones Yoga. This podcast is a love letter to yoga teachers. It's season two, and we're doing things a little bit different this season because something I've seen in the yoga world is that the same yoga teachers often get seen the most. And well, that's great. There's a lot of yoga teachers out there that don't get to have their voices heard and yet have so much to say and so many important perspectives. And that's what we're highlighting in season two here, talking to everyday yoga teachers that have very specific niches, very unique approaches to teaching yoga so that it can give you, our beautiful listeners, different ways to get inspired about your own teaching, get more confident to stand up as who you are, even if it's a little bit different from what the mainstream yoga world is. I cannot wait to introduce you to our beautiful guests for this season. Enjoy. Welcome to the Move With Love podcast. I'm Brie Johnson, and today we have a guest with us. We have this series where we're looking at yoga teachers, movement teachers who have really specific and important niches. Because in yoga and in teaching movement, it's important to know who your audience is. It's important to know who we can help and how we can help. So I'm showcasing some of our modern yoga teacher training graduates, people who have taken our heart and bones yoga teacher training program, because we talk a lot about niching and talking about who are we as teachers? How can we help? And I'm featuring today, Carol Robbins, who is another fellow Canadian, and she's a yoga teacher now officially, but she long before her foray into yoga, she's been a Pilates teacher. Uh, And Carol and I met, oh, many years ago as with Nutritious Movement. Yeah. 2000 and what do you think? Oh, it probably was about 15 or something. Yeah. So we were, and we're talking about nutritious movement. So if anybody's familiar with Katie Bowman, the biomechanics specialist, uh, wonderful influence for both of us. Uh, yeah. So we were certified with her. And so, yeah, Carol's been working with movement and bodies for a long time. And she specializes in a lot of different things, feet, healthy alignment, nutritious movement. And one of the other things that she focuses on, and that's what we're going to talk about today is uh, dynamic aging, or is there another way that? Yeah, um, that's, it's, it's, um, it's the title of a book that Katie Bowman wrote, wrote, but I really love the title and I love what it says. So I, I use that term for my, my marketing as well. It's not mm-hmm. a copyrighted term. So dynamic aging is just you know moving more as you get older, and I think that's it's so succinct that it's a good way to describe it. And and aging is something that we're all doing, so it's not age specific, right? So it's not like um, healthy seniors or something like that. It's more like how can you set yourself up so that how you feel now is how you feel in ten or twenty or thirty years, mm-hmm. or maybe better. You know, if you're not great now, how can you improve? Because most people think of aging as like this um, slow decline. (laughs) And if you're already dealing with health issues in your 40s or 50s, and you're thinking like, oh my God, what am I going to be like in my 70s if I'm like this now? You can be a lot better, right? There's never never a point where it's too late to gain um, whatever you need to work on. 
Yeah. And that's huge. And that really does go counter to, again, those unconscious messages. Like I remember when my son was young and he would pretend to be like, if he had to emulate an old person and I don't think we, this was nothing I, as, as a parent taught him, but he would bend over, you know, and pretend he had that cane and his hand on his low back. And I just, I remember seeing him do that. And in that moment going, oh, wow, culture is strong. <laughs> this yeah, is what we that, think Maybe of. it's like cartoons or something. I don't know where they pick that up. Right. Yeah. But with the sense of dynamic aging and you focusing on that with movement and everyday people, then how do you find that helps and has changed the people that you've worked with when you focus on this sense of dynamic aging? Right. So you spoke before about the niche and I really struggled with that at first because when I think of people who have a niche, I'm like, oh, well, this person specializes in pelvic floors and this person specializes in post, um, you know, birth or something. So everyone seemed to have, um, like they're going through that age, that, that um, life thing themselves. And that seems to be what they, you know, what they specialize in. It's like, I'm, I'm chair, I'm in the childbearing years. So that's what I, those are the people I work with. So I was like, who am I going to work with? Who am I going to work with? <laughs> it's like, wait a minute. I already work with my niche. I am my niche. Like I am, um, I attract people who are like me. So when I looked at my clients, I was like, oh, I already have a niche. These are women, mostly women, some men, um, but they're the exception. Mostly women between the ages of say 55 and 70. Those are the majority of my clients. I have people who are younger, which, are, which is great. And some people who are older. So I feel like I'm teaching people who are looking for the things that I'm already experiencing. And those things are really common in our culture, things like um, muscle wasting. It, it's an age-related muscle, that, like your muscle becomes, uh, you, you lose muscle mass as you age. It's just considered normal. And that usually starts in your 40s, and then it becomes greater as you age. Um, osteoporosis is another big one. and um, osteoarthritis, of course, and hyperkyphosis. So those are the things that are probably most, that are most, the most concerning things for people of my age, and slightly younger, hopefully, and slightly older. So the dynamic aging part of it is like, okay, well, if you're already experiencing these things, or you've had a diagnosis, then you need to have a plan. But if you're if you're previous to that age, let, let's say you're in your 40s, um, you can you can behave a certain way now that moves you into the old into those ages, so that you're never getting those diagnoses or the, the the likelihood of it would decrease. And that's what that's why I get excited when somebody who's in their 30s or 40s wants to start this work. Because it's preemptive. It's really setting that foundation very intentionally, isn't it, for people yeah. of those ages? So if, you, if you've had a diagnosis of um, osteoporosis, let's say, or osteopenia, and the advice is always, you need to lift weights. And it's good advice, because if you're a person who has that diagnosis, that is proven to work, right? So you need to do something that will increase your bone density. And 
I think what people should be asking though, is why is it so prevalent in our society or our, our culture that everybody gets to a certain age and then finds out that, whoops, you know, you, you don't have the optimal bone density you should have for someone your age. What's going on that we could look at 20 years before and be preemptive or preventative? So is it, you know, when we tell people, oh, you've got to get to a gym and start lifting weights, that's essentially um, giving a sedentary population a, um, a prescription for, you know, increasing your bone density, as opposed to looking at that society and saying like, oh, wow, we're, we're doing something wrong. What can we do to fix that? How can we get our whole population to move into an old age without needing a gym membership suddenly? Like, let's face it, not everyone has the ability to do that. I want to pull out something that you said, because I think that's really beautiful how you realized, oh, wait, I'm my niche. <laughs> when you looked at the people who are already coming to your classes, oh, wait, we all have very similar values and goals and, 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 and needs. And I think I, I want to pull that out because I think that's a beautiful thing for anybody listening to who's, who's like, well, what is my niche? A lot of times that is us. And so you've been working with people similar to you. And of course, everybody's different and they're similar wants and needs, but different at the same time. When you became more clear on working with dynamic aging in that sense and giving people that empowerment at whatever age, and I love that you're pointing out about the 30 to 40 year olds. So anybody who's in their thirties and forties and you're listening, go find Carol <laughs> and do the preventative uh, laying that foundation of good, healthy movement now so that we can age better. But how have you found your sense of yourself as a teacher changing once you got more clear on, Ooh, these are the people I want to work with because it's also something close to your heart, dynamic aging, healthy alignment, healthy movement is very much who you are. So how did those two worlds intersect? Well, I think we should probably mention in case somebody's not watching this, that I'm 61. <laughs> so, um, and a lot of women don't like to, to tell their age. It's still this, I, I don't understand that, but it's still something that's per, pervasive in this culture is that we pretend to be younger than we are. Um, or that it's a compliment to tell someone they look younger than they are. So um, I was talking to a friend of mine recently, actually, and she's an executive coach and she teaches um, executive um, business people and leadership roles. And so she's very good at um seeing skills and personality traits and things like that. And um, she's a decade younger than me, but she said, I'm inspired by you. And, and I don't like to admit my age, but I, I think it's amazing that you do and that you embrace looking older and gray hair. And what I said to her was, I was lamenting the fact that most movement teachers, and maybe this is just on social media, most of them are either really young or they're teaching something quite trendy or they're using all the buzzwords that people want or they've written a book. And she just said to me, oh, I think you should totally write a book. <laughs> so I was like, what? And um, she'd gone through my foot course. So I thought for sure she'd say, yes, I think you should write a book on foot exercises. And I was like, well, you know, that's actually already been covered. But she said, oh, no, you should write a book about aging because you're, you know, you're an inspiration for that. Um, so I thought that was really interesting. 
um, that, you know, that, that is, that is who I am because I don't think of myself as, you know, a person who's older. I've been teaching for so long and my body works okay that, I mean, this isn't, this is just a normal way for me to be at this age. So to, to have someone say like, no, you, you are an inspiration for someone your age. Um, that was kind of, kind of interesting. It's really hard to be objective about yourself. So when somebody else points out like, oh, this is who you are, you're like, oh, that's who, that's how you see me. Because it's normal for you. And just as you said, it's very normal. This is how you are. You feel okay. And, and I think it's that so much unpacking of society around, again, aging. And that's why it is an inspiration. And I think why we need more people owning who we are, right? And so if that means being okay with saying your age, my God, may it be so. And then, then like, you know, for me, I'm always about questioning, well, why? Like, what is it about our culture that has told us that we should even pretend that we're some other age? Mm -hmm. And and that, and I think that is with niche work, sometimes we're like, we're in the forest for the trees, right? Like you are just, you're living your life. You are who you are. You don't have that objectivity about, about, your strengths or what does inspire because you're just living it. And that's perfect. And I think that's the beauty of having external sources and people going, actually, no, you're really good at this. And, oh no, you've been inspiring me about that for years. And in doing it in a way, and especially in the aging context and the niche that you're, you're working with, it's disruptive in the best possible way. And being, you're so right, being on social media and not being 20 and skinny and flexible and white and wearing a crop top and short shorts, right? The more we can disrupt that, mm -hmm. the better. And we don't see that. And I think the, the, another way it's called in the world, like active agers, right? So dynamic aging, active aging, that population is really underserved in the media. And yet, from a business point of view, that's a population that has most of the money in the world, right? So there's money exactly. to spend. There's time, time right? Yep. People are going into retirement. Exactly. So even just from a straight business side, it's like everybody go to the active agers, support them. But then it's also supporting here's a big step, you know, supporting the healthcare system down the road, because yeah. if you're teaching people to move better, well, let's talk about that, about teaching people to move better within an aging body. And I really love what you said that we're all, no matter what age we are, we're all aging, <laughs> right? It's not exclusive yeah. to people of a certain decade. And it sounds like you, Carol, have a little bit more balance between you feel however you feel and your body is in line with that where somebody else of a, maybe the friend that you're talking about in her fifties, maybe her body doesn't feel like she feels older, quote, quote, in her physical self and how her age is. Well, I think she's really keenly aware of the changes that she's going through. And the fifties, I, I found the fifties a really hard um, decade to go through because if you've had children in your twenties or early thirties, they're adult, they're leaving the house, you're becoming an empty nester which is a hard emotional thing to go through. Um, you go through menopause, like it's not an easy decade. So when you hit 60, it almost feels like, oh, now it's time for me. And um, if, you, 
if you haven't had children and you're going through your 50s, you're still going through those changes <clears throat> and you're probably seeing gray hairs and you're you're feeling the first aches and pains that are just like, oh, I used to bound out of bed in the morning and now I'm like, I, you know, so uh, it takes me a few hours to kind of limber up. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. And acknowledging that. So as a teacher, then teaching people in that phase of life, what are some tips for anybody who are, because most yoga teachers or movement practitioners or teachers that who are listening to this, you're going to have people of all ages and stages in your classes. Are there the tips? So even if you're not doing specifically this niche and teaching classes that are exclusive to a certain age group, Carol, what are some of the ways that you found helpful to teach a mixed class where there are, and especially older people who might not have been proactive, as you said, in the thirties and forties, and now are going, Oh, help. I think as a yoga teacher or a teacher of movement, you have a, you have a responsibility to your clientele to prepare them for what's coming as opposed to just giving them what they want now. And it it might be a little tricky to get that, but it depends on how, it depends on your, on your niche. Because if you're one of these people who is teaching like CrossFit or something, then that's not going to be probably your objective. But if you're teaching yoga, you're already teaching people to get up and down from the ground. And if you if you're telling people like in their thirties and forties, like you don't have to wait to come to the yoga studio to do that. You don't have to just do that for one hour a week or two hours a week. You can do that all the time and it will help you later. So it's always when you lose mobility that you uh, realize, you know, it's never, it's, you never um, really appreciate your health until you're, sick right and then you're like oh I hate being sick you don't really appreciate how well you're functioning until you start losing that function so if you can get people in their 30s and 40s to say like this is great that you can do that now but I want you to keep doing it do it more and do it in a way that allows you to keep doing it as you're older so that when you're 70 you can still get up off the floor I, you know, I think we all know older people, um, parents perhaps, who, who have the kind of lives that we don't want that are motivating for us in a way that is like, oh, you know, such a sedentary, um, you know, sitting in chairs, watching TV all day, having surgery, hip and knee replacements, and then waiting for the mobility to return as opposed to working at it. So I'm not saying that everything we do with our with our clients now is going to um, make it so that they will never need these, um, you know, interventions. It might still happen, but we can move them into those older um, decades, moving more and and then being able to recover from those things if necessary. Yeah. So I'm, you know, I'm thinking of people who've had hip replacements and who, who needed the hip replacement for the first, for the, in the first place, because they were probably not moving very much and were never moving out of hip flexion. And then when they have the uh, surgery are surprised that they don't have um, instantaneous 
you know, uh, hip extension re return to them. It's okay, you, you still have to work at getting that back. So I think we have a responsibility as teachers to look into a crystal ball and say to our clients, you know, this is good for you now. And I know you want to look a certain way and, and you know, be, be a certain weight and all those things that tend to motivate people in the first place to come into a movement studio. But we're going to work on function in a way that helps you, you know, feel better, move better, function better, which is really, to, to my mind, a better indication of wellness than how you look. Um, like, how well can you throw up? This <laughs> a conversation we had before the recording started. Um, how well can you be sick? How, how well can you recover? Um, how well can you go to the bathroom when you need to or not when you don't? So there's a lot of things that we don't think of in a movement studio that are going to be motivations for the clients to come into our movement studios at some point and that you know now we're we're you know now because we're not experts on we're not physiotherapists and we're not experts on pelvic floor and we're not experts on you know rehab that we're suddenly having to deal with these things you know most movement teachers don't don't get that kind of um, education and yet those are the clients who walk into our doors so we can deal with it after the fact and, you know, just kind of help, help them and hope for the best, or we can deal with it now. All of that was so good. Yes. Because what you're really to summarize, if I could summarize what you're saying, uh, you know, like to really, we're, we're, I'm going to assume, and in my experience, most people aren't walking in with any of that on the top of their mind, right? They're not coming to our classes because they want to poop better because they've been constipated for a week. And it's like, well, I need to like, they're going because they want to feel better. There might be aches and pains. And we have people who are well of any age, but if the majority of the people in our classes are 30 plus giving them the extrinsic slash intrinsic motivation to do that, to recognize, oh, this forward bend that we're doing, oh, this little bit of weight bearing and downward dog that we're doing is not just for, ooh, look at me, I, I can do downward dog, or I'm getting a stretch in this moment, but oh, I'm doing this weight bearing and we're using the pose downward dog to help build that strength so that I have the strength into my later years so that I can reach up into the cupboard and get a heavy pot or heavy thing that you would have at the top of your cupboard, let's say down with no problem. But I love what you say and bringing it into those very untalked about, but very real bodily function things. And especially how I love how you say being sick well, because that's normal, that's natural. Can we recover faster? I think that's huge. And I like to think about it like, like you're, you're, you're a healthy aging salesperson and you speak to the pain points of, you, again, you said it of like, nobody wants to age like that one parent or relative or that person they know who, who's just declining in such a painful and, and hard way. Most of the people I know who've had hip replacements are not saying like, oh, I wish I'd gone to a studio, you know, 10 years earlier, I could have avoided this. And I think it's kind of doing people a disservice to say like, oh, if you work with me, or if you start now, you may not need a hip replacement just because your mom did had one. The language would be more like, you may need one, but you're going to go in so much stronger. 
and you're going to come out so much better. And your quality of life is going to improve tenfold over someone who, who sat around waiting for it because they were in too much pain. Yeah. Oh, I hope everybody hears that, right? Like that is so, and then again, it's empowering and validating and it, and it changes the, the consciousness yeah. and the paradigm and within how we see ourselves. Cause then I'm sure people who would be going in towards a hip surgery would have a layer of, Oh, my old hip, Oh, this stupid thing. And, you know, like we, it's a kind of a negative self-talk, whether that's conscious or not. And then when you have somebody saying, Hey, it's cool. You know what? Sometimes it's, it happens. Yeah. And so let's go into it stronger. Oh, beautiful. And anything that's... That I, yeah. One of the things I like to say is, is that you, your body is doing its very best for you. And if it's failing, it's because it's been doing its best for so long, but it just has no more to give. So you have to support it in a, in a, you know, you have to support it and give it support and, and help it as opposed to, yeah, like that language of oh, my bad hip, you know, that's, we've all heard that as movement teachers, but people coming in and saying like, oh, I have a bad knee. I have a bum knee. I have a you know, shitty hip. It's like, it's not, it's doing its best for you. And it's just because it's, that's where your sensation is, doesn't mean that um, you're, it's betrayed you in some way. As we wrap this up, Carol, I think it's what I'm really hearing from you is how important it is as a teacher, no matter what the age, but especially working with aging populations, which is in all ages now. <laughs> Thank you for that beautiful reminder you know, is that we are in the moment, we're giving people in the moment, the opportunity to breathe, to move, to connect to, okay, here I am. I'm in this class. My life is intense. I just need to go to yoga. Okay, cool. So we're addressing that in that moment, but we're also planting seeds for them to recognize what they're doing now is going to help them in the future. What would you say on that? What would you add? We're giving them skills. We're giving them movement skills. It would be kind of egotistical to say that I'm going to teach you how to move. It's more that I'm creating the environment for your central nervous system to move. And that environment might just be a yoga room. It might just be a safe place. It might be um, a word that I've said. It might be a breath that you took. So you, I'm not necessarily imparting wisdom when I teach movement. I'm just giving you an experience. And it's your central nervous system that that allows you to have that experience or not. So the older I get, the more I think like, you know, I used to kind of think, oh, I teach Pilates. I'm going to get you on this machine and I'm going to show your joints how to work. (laughs) But now it's more like, let's just like um, be together and relax for a minute and let's connect in whatever way we need to connect, whether that's through movement or through a shared experience. And then if you're leaving there feeling better about yourself, then you're going to have less pain. You're going to have more movement available to you. You're gonna want to move more. So better is another word that is like, I'm trying, I'm thinking about how how do I use that word better? Brilliant. Very good food for thought. That's important. It's true because it takes us away. It sets us up for that dynamic between what you're doing was bad. This is better. And better also sometimes infers that 
better equals no other options are going to be good because this is the right option. Move your shoulder like this and only like this. We could almost extrapolate that with going, well, actually, is it a better alignment or is it just different? So as you're saying, giving your nervous system something different to focus on. Yes. And that's what I meant by skills. It's like, if you have five different ways to get up from the ground, if you're actually teaching that in a class, that's, that's one thing, right? But if those people are actually sitting on the ground at home, they're going to find those ways themselves. So just giving them the, um, the permission to sit on the ground every once in a while is helping them move more. So the more, the more time you spend on the ground getting up from the ground, the more you're going to find different ways to do that because you're going to find that if you always use the same way that that becomes, you know, that's, that's not sustainable. So you try a different way and your skill set grows. I mean, have you ever had a client that said like, oh, I could never do this without you there. I, I need you. I need your, I need your words. I need, you know, you to fix me. And it's like, no, you don't need me to move. <laughs> you yeah. don't need me to move. Yeah. So then what's the role of the teacher in that sense? Yeah, that's a good point. It's like, uh, what am I doing? I think it comes back to that creating, well, first of all, in our society, people do like to have their, their movement experience um, in a box so you're creating that that hour for them to be like that's I'm putting that on the calendar I'm not doing anything else that's my time so that's important in our society because people won't do it otherwise Um, and then it becomes a routine so I often wonder some uh, sometimes I wonder if the clients that I work with regularly are doing things between classes if they're coming back with the same issues, it's like, well, maybe you do need me, but I would really like it if you didn't. How do I motivate you to work on your own and move on your own? And, mm-hmm. and if we want to get together, then it's, you know, it's a community thing. It's, um, it's a relationship, just the way you'd, you'd meet a friend for coffee or something. It's like, let's get together. Let's move. But you don't need me to do that. You can do that anytime and you should be doing it all the time. <laughs> but I love that though, because at the same time, you're so right. The people who maybe they're so, we are so complex. Life is so complex. And I, you know, I love that you're like, oh, and the people who haven't seen, I, I'm not seeing changes over time. I want to wean you off of me, so to speak. But as I'm listening to you, I'm also thinking, you know what? And, and just like you said, maybe the relationship that's happening, maybe it, that, like, it's not the movement. It's like, okay, exactly. It's six o'clock. I'm with Carol. And actually Carol makes me feel really good. And I feel seen and heard and I don't want to lose that. So I'm actually not going to really change. I'm only going to change enough so that I can keep going back to Carol. <laughs> Cause I, right. So I think it, and, and I love that. And I think this is such an important reminder for teachers because I know there's been times in the past where I'm like, oh my God, this person, like, come on. But then we're so beautifully complex creatures that are mental, emotional, social beings that, yeah, come to our yoga class, come to our movement class, but we are getting more and we're giving more and we cannot possibly know what and why people are, are giving that or getting and what. And yeah, I think that's a beautiful reminder for people to hear big time. Mm-hmm. That's good, Carol. Yeah. Bottom line, it is relationships. What is our relationship to ourself? What is our relationship to movement? What is our relationship to the person who's helping me move to the practice that I choose at any given time? Relationship. 
Yeah. I think that's a beautiful place to mic drop, (laughs) Carol. And I love this. So I think there's so much food for thought for people to play with. Teaching's complex and figuring out who we are as teachers is complex within that. And I feel like that opens up a can of worms of then Oh yeah. I'm, I'm not even going to open that any can of worms. It opens wonderful cans of worms of like, what is our role? So I hope, I hope that this episode gives everybody listening a lot to think about in a lot of different ways. And yeah. I think having your experience too, being a long time teacher of movement and within that different modalities. And also what I think the gift of wisdom and aging is wisdom. And I love that what I'm seeing from you, Carol, is this continued reflection. So as we age and as you, you know, you're, you're a longtime experienced teacher, you're still learning. You know, I think you showed us, you're still questioning, you're still learning. There's not this mm-hmm. sense of, well, you know, I've been teaching for so long and I know it all. Oh, it's no. all about the ego. Just let it go. <laughs> and that's a lifelong, you know, journey right there. Mm-hmm. It is. Yeah. Yeah. And that's beautiful. So I think you, you gave me, you've given our listeners a lot to think about. And if people want to experience your classes, the magic of online, uh, share with us, Carol, how people can find you. Okay. Um, well, I run, uh, my website is, um, speaking of ego, my website is carolrobbins.ca. I'm going to interject. <laughs> I, I'm going to interject for a second. I'm going to Ego Schmigo, friends, everybody listening to this, it's so hard to promote ourselves, I know. And then to interject the ego and go, oh, ego. No, it's not ego. (laughs) Step into power. All right. Well, I used to, yeah, my my brand is Alignment Rescue, and that used to be the name of my website, Alignment Rescue. But um, when I recently, I just changed uh, websites. So I thought, well, this is an opportunity to now be who I am. So it's carolrobbins.ca. Although if you go on um, my website, it will be called Alignment Rescue. So um, I have some courses on that website um, and there will be more coming. And I teach uh, via private Zoom right now through a membership. So I have some regulars and I like people to have some experience before they come into those classes. So. Um, what I used to do is teach one between one and three private sessions before people could come into the membership. So now there's a course on my website that you can take instead. And it, it, it's cheaper and it's something you can look at again and again. And it takes the place of those private sessions. So um, that helps me because I'm not you know, regurgitating the same information over and over. And um, you can take it at your speed and you can look at it. Um, you know, you have it forever. So so that's um, that's one way people can you know learn some of, and that course it's called a, it's called rescue your feet, um, which uh, I have to I have a bit of marketing to do because people seem to think that if there's nothing wrong with their feet they don't need that course, <laughs> but really everybody needs to start at their feet if they're if if they're starting a movement for health and wellness practice. Mm-hmm. But what's in it, right? Then there's another conversation to be had of, yes, the feet, but if people, yeah, aren't liking or like, but I don't need my feet, then do you name it some words that people I know want to hear? Oh, but, yeah. Get Start them to the back door. <laughs> You're like, and then by the end of this, like, you'll learn about your feet, but I'm calling it hips. <laughs> you know, fix yes. the hips because that will right. 
Yeah. So that, yeah. And you've got, um, so you do do those private ones, you do the online classes and we can find that all through carolrobbins.ca. Carol's in Toronto, by the way, but you're not doing in-person anytime soon. No, I haven't been doing in-person since March, 2020. And I don't um, intend on, now that I've made this transition, this business transition, I don't intend to go back. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll do what you're doing sort of thing. It's like retreats, workshops, uh, hopefully sometime in person, but um, yeah, the classes will all be zoom. It works really well. Yeah. And I've, I've got clients from all over the world now who, uh, you know, I'm serving in, in different time zones, but if I had a live classes, it'd be very difficult to do both. So I've just decided to, to do one thing. Yeah. Beautiful. And people can also find you on Instagram too at alignment rescue. That's your, yes. Alignment underscore rescue is my handle there. And that's where I spend most of my social media time. Perfect. And we'll have all the links here too, if you want to go to the show notes and all that stuff. Well, thank you, Carol, for being part of our heart and bones teachers community. Uh, it's so beautiful to spend this time talking with you and yeah, anybody can reach out to Carol if you have questions or you want to connect more with her and thank you. Thank you. Talk about moving with love. And if you'd love to move with love with us in our global community of yoga teachers, join us for our fourth online heart and bones modern yoga teacher training course it's a combination of 200 and 300 hours so we welcome brand new teachers and we welcome experienced teachers because what we teach in this teacher training is so big it's so beautiful applied anatomy for yoga and a lot of this heart work of disrupting dominant yoga paradigms looking at the history the decolonization of yoga and really to gaining confidence. There's so much. Go check it out at heartandbonesyoga.com slash courses. And we'd love to have you join us for this next round of the teacher training. And you can be part of our beautiful community. The training happens in October, 2021.